Well, that is Brad Chase. That's his testimony. That's something we're going to try to start doing a little bit more. Um, I think it's something we should celebrate as a church when, when that happens in a guy's life, don't you guys? When, it, when his heart's warped and he's radically changed by Jesus, I think we need to celebrate that. And um, Brad's a good friend of mine. I, I went to high school with him and I knew him then. And um, I, I meet with him and Robin every Friday and we, we go over Proverbs together. And uh, man, a radical change has taken place in his life. And I, I think that's cool that he, he's willing to say, hey, the first time I got baptized, that wasn't real. I wasn't really placing my faith in, in Christ. But he's willing to say now, um, I'm doing it today because I want people to know there's a difference and, and it's for real and, and Jesus is my Lord. Um, and, that, and that's exciting to me. When, uh, when Jesus shows up and he fixes broken people, that's, that's, uh, that's an awesome thing. Um, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 5. So I, I kind of thought we should just have Michelle sing her song a few more times and then I wouldn't have to preach because it's the same message. And she's got a prettier voice than I do. Um, but we looked at Brad, we looked at his life and, and how it was broken and how it was restored. And uh, today we're going to look at, at another miraculous thing where Jesus takes something that's broken and he makes it new. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So John chapter 5, and if you'd read with me, we'll start in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roof colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and when I am going, another one steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up and take your bed and walk. And all at once the man was healed, and he took his bed, and he walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me was the one who said, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man that said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know that it was Jesus, for he had withdrawn into the crowd as they were in a public place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, see that you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Dear Heavenly Father God, you're so good to us. Thank you for this scripture. Thank you for the truth that you're going to show us. Um, pray that you take all of our distractions away, God, as we look at your holy word. You would uh, compel us to change, God. Lay things on our heart that, that we're sinful about. Grab hold of them, weed them out. And I, I pray that you would just take care of us. Thank you for this, this picture of a man who's, who's broken in a way and, and how you heal him. And thank you for offering that to us, God. And I pray that you would just bless us as we look at this passage together. In your name we pray, amen. All right, well, um, it's been a pretty busy week around the, around the church. Well, not around the church. Michelle was the only one at the church, but... Uh, we had a busy week for our church. Uh, Pastor Andrew and I were at Falls Creek with a bunch of the kids. And I just want to say thank you to you guys for, for supporting that as a church. I know a lot of you gave some, some money 
uh, to help with that, or maybe you helped us get some get some snacks or some food. Um, man, that, that's a good trip. I, I got to lead a family group, and uh, we, we took uh, around 30 kids. Um, man, it was just, it was a joy to, to be there and see how they were growing and, and what God was doing in their life and, and how he was dealing with it. And the cool thing is uh, we, we just saw Brad's uh, transformation. Michelle's song was about transformation. Um, at Falls Creek, the whole week was about transformation. The theme was drive and um, how, how Jesus uh, is driven to, to come hard after us and how he restores broken things. And then again, that's what our passage is about today. Um, before we get started, I wanna, I wanna look just a little bit at this man in the situation he's in. So Jesus walks up and there's a bunch of uh, people who are all blind, lame, or paralyzed laying around this pool. And the man that Jesus comes up to and, and starts talking to, we don't know a lot about him. We don't even know his name, okay? But we do know a few things about him. One thing we know is that this man's broken. Um, we don't know whether he's blind, whether he's paralyzed, or whether he's lame, but we do know that his body is not working like it's supposed to, All right? Who's, who's getting there? And you guys getting there? Uh, I've got a few years left, I think, but man, that happens sometimes. But um, th- that's, that's where we find this man. His body's not doing what it's supposed to. He's broken, and uh, th- that's one thing we know about him. Another thing we know about him is uh, he's, he's been this way for 38 years, all right? That's a long time. That's more than my whole life he's been in this bad situation of being broken. And then the third thing that the passage tells us is he's at this pool where um, healing could supposedly take place. So um, they, they all kind of gather around this pool and for, for whatever reason, some of your translations might say if an angel stirs up the water, um, that, that people could go down into this pool and be, be healed. And this man says that, um, that, that that's why he's there. In, in hopes of being healed. Um, it's kind of like a first come, first serve when, the, when it starts spinning. Everybody kind of hobbles that way and tries to get in there. So those are the things we know. Um, but, but I think the big thing that kind of stands out to us is this guy has a problem. He's broken. And he, he doesn't have any direction in his life. I mean, he's been at the same place for 38 years. Talk about hitting a dead end. That's pretty bad. So he's been there for 38 years. And, and I, I found this to always be true. If you don't have direction, there's no lack of people that'll try to give you some direction. So, you know, we have some, some of our, our kids who are going to college. I mean, those kids don't know what they're doing. They have no direction. They don't know what they're doing. They, they have a lot of people trying to tell them what's best for them. Hey, this is the, the career you should pursue, or this is the school you need to go to. So uh, we see that when, when people don't have a direction, there's a lot of people that are they're going to try to tell you what the best direction is for your life. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this passage and we're going to break it apart. And there's three characters we're going to look at. And we're going to look at the direction that they think that's be- is best for this man's life. Okay? So we're going to start off and we're going to look with the religious leaders. So turn to John chapter 5 and verse 10 and we'll look at the religious leaders. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, so this is after Jesus has already healed him, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man that said this to you? Take up your bed and walk. Now the man who had been healed did not know that it was Jesus, for he had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Okay, so we find, uh, we find the religious leaders. This guy's just been healed. He's walking by. 
And he's doing what Jesus told him to. He's carrying his bed. He's going home. And they stop him. And um, this, this guy, I want you to get this too. Verse 14 says that, that he tells us he's still spiritually broken. So he's physically healed, but he's still got a spiritual issue. And so the first thing I want to see is what do the religious leaders think is important for this guy? Well, an amazing thing has just taken place. Uh, this guy for 38 years, that's a long time. I still can't get over it. That's a long time. For 38 years, he's been broken and he's been in this condition. And he, he goes walking by and a glorious thing has happened. Earlier that morning, he, all he had left for him was to lay there day after day after day in misery and pain waiting for his death. That's, that's all he had. But now this awesome transformation has happened and, and he's given strength back in his body. He can get up, he can go work, he can go provide for himself. So a great thing is, has happened here, but look at what the religious leaders see and what they think is important. It's kind of silly, isn't it? So they look at him and they say, hey, why are you carrying your bed? That's the only thing they see. So I, I think that that's, that's crazy that this miraculous thing has happened. The son of God is on earth He's showing his divine power in this healing. And, and he shows up and he sets this guy free from this bondage he's been in. And then the, the religious leaders, they completely miss it. And, and they always miss it. We see this in every other passage of healing where God does an amazing work. And, and then they're, they're always focused on these wrong little small things and they miss where God shows up and works. And what's the result of, of that is um, they miss the son of God who's right in front of them. And, and I, want, I want us to get that. I want you to get that because I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss when Jesus shows up. Religion causes you to miss Jesus. Here's how religion deals with our problem of brokenness. What it does is it, it does a great job of outwardly masking the problem, but it never, it never hits the inside. I was trying to think of what, what's a good example of this. And, and when I was a kid, I liked, to, I liked to clean stuff up and make stuff look new or, or, or build stuff and just, just kind of restore stuff. I still like doing that with vehicles. Um, but when I, was, when I was younger, I didn't get how that really worked. So I'd find something that was rusty and old or whatever, and I'd set it down and I'd paint it, just paint over it. I'm like, man, this looks a lot better now. And then you come back a week later and it's all crackled and the rust, the rust is still inside you know, because I never really de- dealt with the problem. I just kind of covered it up. That's how religion works. Um, it's all, religion is like spraying cologne on a stinky body. You know? <laughs> all right, I'm good now. No, you didn't really. You need to take a bath. That's what your problem is. You smell bad. So religion is a lie. It's like Febreze. Just cover stuff up, but it still stinks underneath it. And you need to clean it. So that's what religion does. It focuses so much on our outward appearance, but it never really deals what's going on internally, okay? And, and, and the truth is, that's the same for us. Man, we try to do that. We, we try to clean up our outside and make sure we got everything in line. Okay, all right, I'm going to church. I'm doing good. Well, I'm, at, I'm in church. At least I'm safe now. Okay, I, I'm, I'm giving my money to missions. I'm reading my Bible. But the truth is, sometimes we can do all those things, but miss the wicked sin that's within our hearts. And if we miss the wicked sin that's with, within our hearts, we're like the religious people who blow it. And they look at the wrong thing while they're just kind of, everything looks pretty on the outside, they're rotting away in the inside because of their sin. So that's, that's, what, that's what happens here in this story. This man is walking by and what they want for him, they don't care about this awesome healing that's just taking place. They don't care about his soul. What they're saying is, hey, you're not following our rules 
And, and by our standards, you don't look like what we think clean is. So that's all they notice. That's religion. So we need to be aware of religion. Number two, um, what sin wants for man. And this is pointed about, out by Jesus in verse 14. Um, Jesus comes back. He finds this guy that he had healed. And it's very strange. Listen to what he said to him. In verse 14, he says, uh, See you are well. Hey, look, you're better now. You're complete. Sin no more so that nothing worse happens to you. Um, as I was reading that, for one, he, he's telling him, he's saying, hey, the, the state that you're in was a consequence of your sin. Um, now, that's not always true. Um, sometimes like in John chapter nine, where we have the, the man who's blind from his birth, the disciple said, who sinned, um, this man or his parents? And God says, uh, neither he nor his parents sinned, but he did this so that, that I may get glory. He's in this situation. But the, the truth is our sin has consequence. And um, Jesus goes up to this guy and he points out this thing to him. He says, hey, you've lived in the consequences of your sin for 38 years, but I want you to know this. There's something worse for you than living in that hopeless, terrible state for 38 years. And I was looking at that and I thought, is that, is that necessary to tell that guy, Jesus? That's kind of silly, right? I mean, you think someone who'd been there that long would get that, you know, for, for that long of a time that they'd, they'd been living. It. You think they would understand that it's a bad deal, right? That, hey, now I can walk and move around and do all this. I'm free. That's good. Or I can lay here next to a pool for 38 years. That's bad. You think they would understand that. But, um, but I, I think that, that what Jesus is saying is he's saying, hey, th- this is terrible, you know, to be in this position. But you know what's worse than being hopeless for 40 years? is being hopeless for eternity. And that's where you're headed. Because if, if, you won't, if you won't turn away from your sin now, then your sin separates you from God. And separation from God here on earth is hopelessness, but separation from God eternal, eternally is eternal hopelessness. And Jesus doesn't want that for the man. He cares about him physically as well. So sin, um, sin's not content with just having the man's body. We're looking at this. What does sin want for the man? Well, it doesn't just want his body. It's had his body. It doesn't just want to siphon all his joy away and leave him hopeless. It's had that. We've already seen that it's had that before. But what it wants is the, man, the man's life. It wants the man's life, and it's not going to be happy until he, he becomes completely hopeless eternally. That's what sin wants for us. But the last thing I want to look at, and this is a good one. We can get excited about this because Jesus shows up. Anytime Jesus shows up, you know something awesome is about to happen because that's the kind of God we serve. But Jesus shows up, and we're going to look starting in verse 3 and go through verse 9. So what does Jesus want for this man? And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years, when Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time and he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and I'm going in, another one steps before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And all at once he was healed and he took up his bed and walked. This, this whole passage is full of weird questions from Jesus. So I think this, this next one's kind of weird too because if, if I had a problem for, for that long of a time, you know, like, I would think that'd be a silly question. Do I, do I want to be healed? 
Yes, yes, Jesus. That's a pretty obvious question. You, do you need, even need to ask? Um, I, I actually think I probably would have responded in sarcasm, knowing my sinful heart. I've been like, no, I, I love laying by the pool, Jesus. I just, I'm just sitting here sunbathing, trying to get a tan. You know, but, but it's a silly question. Of course this one, man wants to be healed. It, it would be foolish for him to want to remain in this sinful, wicked state. Who would do that? The sad truth is we do spiritually. We'll get, that, get to that in a second. We're okay with laying in our, our terrible state. But Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? And I think, I think Jesus' question is, is a question of desire, so do you want to be healed? But I think it's more than that. I think also that Jesus is aiming at the man's hope. He's saying, hey, do you, do you even have any hope? And we can tell that by the way the, the man answers. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And when I'm going, another steps down before me. So the man responds in hopelessness. He says, hey, do I want to be healed? Yes, that would be great. Here's the problem, Jesus. I've tried everything, okay? I've tried getting to to this pool myself. I've tried taking care of myself. It, It doesn't work. I'm broken. I can't do it myself because I'm broken. And then he says, nobody else will help me. Maybe someone else can help me or maybe they can't, but... I've been stuck here living in this problem and no one has offered to help me. No one's helped me at all. So he's in complete hopelessness. And I think what he's saying is, Jesus, after, after being in this position so long, I think this is what my life looks like. I think this is where I'm gonna die. He's completely hopeless and he's given up the thought of being made well. Um, I think we, sh- we shouldn't give this guy too hard of a time because I think that if we were in that spot, we'd respond the same way. I think that if, if we had had that kind of calamity in our life for that long, we'd give a similar answer to Jesus. Some of us might even be mean to Jesus. Be like, of course, what do you think of Jesus? But I, I think that one of the greatest truths about Jesus, this is cool, is that he doesn't leave people broken. He fixes them. So he brings hope to the hopeless and he takes people who are damaged and he, he repairs them. He makes them new. And I, what I want you guys to see this morning, what's important for us, is I want us to see ourselves in the position of the invalid. Okay? This guy's broken, he's hopeless, and he needs healed. And I hope you see yourself in that position um, spiritually. Uh, his body doesn't function like it was meant to. And in verse 14, it tells us it doesn't function because of his sin. We're the same like that spiritually. Our relationship with God doesn't function like it's supposed to, and that's because of our sin. And then Jesus walks up and he asks him a question. I think Jesus asked all of us the same question in our life. He says, do you want to be healed? The man responds in hopelessness, I can't do it, nobody will help me. I think you and I respond that same way. When, when he asks us, do you want to be healed of your sin? We say, that's, hey, that's great. I can't do it, Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm broken. And we say, nobody else has been able to help me either. Sometimes I think we're even worse. I think we tell Jesus no when he, when he asks to heal our sin and heal, heal our spiritual problems. I think we say, as a matter of fact, Jesus, I, I like my sin too much to have you heal it. I don't want you to take it. I enjoy living in my lust and my greed and my pride and my selfishness and my religion. I'm gonna stay over here and I'd appreciate it if you backed up because if you mess with my sin, you're gonna mess with this thing I really love and care about. So sometimes I think we're even worse than this guy. But I think a really cool thing happens 
when Jesus performs this miracle. Because we're looking at this for us spiritually, what he does for him physically. Jesus offers solution. He speaks with a mighty authority to this guy. So he says, hey, you can't help yourself? Okay, I got that. Nobody else can help? Fine, get up. That's what Jesus says to him. He says, stand up. He says, do that which you're not capable of doing because I'm telling you to do it. Get up. And then he doesn't leave him there. He says, you see this old life laying here? Okay, you can stand now. There's no reason for you to lay back down. You've had a 38-year-old, you know, a 38-year nap. You don't need to lay back down. You're good for a while. He says, roll that up. That old life is done. Carry that thing. Walk. And then he sends him on his way. And I think that's cool because that's what Jesus does to us spiritually. He sees us in, in our depraved state and he says, hey, I understand no one else can help. I understand there's no other answer, but I'm here and I'm gonna bring you hope. And he says to us, he says, get up. Get up out of your sin. Get up out of your filth. I know you can't do it on your own. I know you're hopeless. I know that nobody else can help you, but I'm different. My words have authority and I'm telling you to stand up. And I'm telling you to follow me in obedience. And that's what Jesus does. He offers to us spiritually what he does for this man physically. I think something that's very interesting about this passage is in almost all the other accounts, when Jesus heals someone physically, he also heals them spiritually. Um, in this account, we, we don't really know what the man's decision is. Jesus shows back up at the, at the end and he says, hey, there's worse, worse things coming if you don't repent. He kind of calls the man to repentance and said, this is something that needs to happen I'm warning you, it does get way worse than your hopelessness on earth. You can have eternal hopelessness. But the, the man's response is really weird. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't respond in repentance. Actually, what he does is he runs to the Pharisees and he tells, them, he tells on Jesus. He's like, hey, you know that guy we were trying to figure out who was earlier, you know, so I don't get in trouble? That was Jesus. I found him. And that's kind of a, a weird response. But I think what's important for us to do, um, we, we see what religion wants for us. We see that it wants us to, to cover up our problem, to hide it. And, oh, everything's great. Yeah, I'm doing good. My, my spiritual life's going great. We see what religion wants. We see what sin wants. It wants our, our whole life. It wants to destroy us. And we see what Jesus wants to help us. And, and I think as, as we look at all these different people pulling at this man, um, we need to ask the same questions to ourselves that Jesus asked of the man. So I think it's important to ask ourselves, um, do you want to be healed? That's something we all got to answer. Jesus is going to ask that to us. And um, I, I think that's important. Do you want to be healed? Do you want, you want your sins to be pulled away? Do you want to be made new? Because you can't do it. You know you can't. Nobody's going to help you. But Jesus speaks with authority. And when he says something will happen, it happens. So do you want to be healed? And then, um, and then the very last question is, is one of repentance. Hey, there's worse things out there. Are you going to turn away from, from, from this, this problem of yours and, and the, the consequences of sin that come from your actions? And are you going to follow me? And I think this, this passage kind of leaves us hanging for that very reason. I think we need to look at ourselves as we're in this man's position and we need to ask ourselves those questions today. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father God, you're awesome. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your strength. We thank you that you have mighty words, Father. And when you speak, things happen. You took that man and, and you repaired his brokenness. And Father, you, you've taken us and you repaired our brokenness. 
That's amazing, God. Thank you so much for that. In your name I pray. Amen. One more thing real quick. I, I just thought this is, a really, this is something that was really cool to me. Um, at the last service, I finished up, and I know I, I didn't do great in here, but last service, I just did bad. They're not fun people at all. They just sit there and look. At, <laughs> you guys at least laugh and stuff, and you're like, oh, that's good. But okay, but anyways, last service, I didn't feel like anything went well, and I was kind of like, darn it. Oh, well, at least I got third service. You know, I was excited about that. But... Well, I was walking out, there's a guy in the back, and, um, and he's just broken, he's crying. I started talking to him, and, uh, and I asked him, you know, I was like, man, what's the matter? And he says, I'm that guy. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm broken. And he says, guess how old I am? I said, how old? And he goes, 38. So he said, for 38 years, I've been living in my brokenness. And he said, I'm the same as that guy. And we had a really good conversation about the cross. And we had a really good conversation about how th- there's hope there. Isn't there hope? Aren't you excited? There's hope. We don't have to live in our brokenness. He had some really hard issues in his past that I've never even dealt with, but I I had this truth for him. I said, hey, your problem may seem huge, but Jesus is better, and Jesus is bigger than that thing. It's so holy and righteous and awesome is he that he'll swallow up your sin like that. And and I wanted to leave you guys with that hope because I thought that was just a cool story of of God working in that man's heart and, and the hope we have in the cross. So.